Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Carolina Hurricanes have clinched a playoff spot. They did it in losing fashion, but they did get an overtime loss point. Their 69th point of the year. Nice. 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 Very nice. That's nice. Immaculate. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Tracking the Storm podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Brandon Stanley, joined by Matthew Soma, and back this week, Alex O'Hari. And tonight, we are very excited to give you all our personal top 10 prospect rankings for the Carolina Hurricanes organization. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Uh, But first, we're going to go ahead and take a look back at the last week in the playoff-bound Carolina Hurricanes season, uh, starting with the Dallas Stars games. Uh, The first game, obviously the playoff-clinching game, was shaky. But I think you could tell, and Rob wasn't putting a whole lot of trust I would say into some of the you know bottom of the roster call up type guys it really wore down the top guys I mean you could see by the end of that game I just felt like so many players were just worn down but then I guess maybe partially because of a big lift getting Tavo Teravine and getting a you know a top line player back in your lineup we saw that very next night they played pretty much as complete a game of hockey as you'll see I think in the third period, the Stars may have quit a little bit, which added to that, but that does not take anything away from what we saw from the Hurricanes. Well, uh, first, let me thank you guys for uh, bringing me back into the mix here. You know, you never know you're going to be considered dead weight after being <laughs> gone for a week. So, you know, glad I, uh, glad I still have my spot here with the boys. Yeah, I know. Uh, last week flowed so easily, man, and now you're back. I just don't know. Yeah. Consider this national tryout. <laughs> Yeah, you know, budget cuts too. Just you, you never know. You never know. So glad to be back. Um, and yeah, you know, Brandon, you you kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, the five one win, just just a great effort from everybody involved. I mean, you know, good to see Tara Vinen back in, and you know, he looked like he didn't miss a beat. I guess you kind of see why um, the Hurricanes didn't rush him back at all because you know he stepped right in there, and you know he looked in top shape. So. Oh, well, obviously, he's going to be a massive addition to, to the group going down this stretch here, especially, you know, as he continues to get his legs back under him. Um, beyond him, really like the effort, especially from the fourth line. Um, X-Sense legend Max McCormick contributing and Morgan Geeky playing, you know, some of the best hockey I've ever seen from him. Obviously, Stevie Lorenz, a big part of that group as well. And uh, uh, obviously, you want to see the guys like um, like Faust and McGinn and, Marty get healthy, but man, these guys are making a, a a very tough case to to take them out of the lineup when when everybody is healthy. So you know, competition brings out the best in guys, and you know we're seeing 
we're seeing the hurricane just depth on full display here. And you know what? I'm glad you brought up Morgan Geeky because I was going to say that was probably the thing that stood out to me the most. Um, these past two games was just how good Morgan Geeky was. He's been incredible. I mean, when he was drafted, we knew that he was a playmaker. I mean, he had 55 assists uh, that season, but I, I think we kind of forgot about it because he scored goals at a prolific rate in the AHL. And then, you know, he had that two goal debut and everybody's thinking like, man, Morgan Geeky is going to be a sniper. But I mean, with that line, it's almost perfect because, you know, they're great on the four check and they'll get, you know, that board battle behind the net. The puck will come loose and there's Morgan Geeky to make a beautiful pass to somebody streaking in front of the net, you know? Yeah, they complement each other really well. Like that line's been just fantastic. And it, it, and it's funny because I mean it's mostly you know guys I mean it's all guys that last year were in the AHL. I mean you have Max McCormick who pretty much up until this point has been a career AHL guy, and you have Stephen Lorenz who's you know and Morgan Geeky who are both you know trying to break into the NHL this late in the season. You know I mean it's a shortened season. Everybody's tired. Everybody's exhausted. But this line you know every night they're going at it and they're. I don't know. It's really impressive. And I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be, it's going to be tough. Like you guys said on Rod. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've given you exactly what you want out of a fourth line, right? They've been heavy. Their forechecking has been, you know, relentless. They've been getting into the offensive zone and just wearing guys down and hell now they're even finishing on top of that. I mean, I don't know how long we can expect a Max McCormick goal streak to last, but (laughs) I mean, even he's been fantastic. I mean, all three of those guys have been really, really good. And I think he does make for some tough decisions once those guys start to get healthy. Because I don't know how you really pull any of them out of the lineup right now. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said uh, on Twitter last night, um, I don't think I'd ever seen Max McCormick have a a two-game goal streak uh, when he was in Ottawa. I'm actually not sure he scored two goals in his his entire sense career. And he was there for like three, four years. And, (laughs) you know, uh, I definitely never saw him impact the game the way he has – the last the last couple games that he's been in I mean you know he's he's always been a tough guy to play against but when you see some confidence coming out <laughs> never seen him never seen him attempt a deke the way he did last night and you know <laughs> it's just a testament to you know how confident guys feel in this hurricane system obviously the coaching staff lets them go out there and and play their game um you you see a lot of the guys that you know they're they're just playing like they're not afraid to make mistakes and uh, really earning their opportunities so like you like like we've all mentioned, there's going to be some tough decisions when a few bodies come back in here. But you know, maybe we should talk about that a little more. Like, how do you guys feel about? You know, of course, when Brock McGinn comes back, I think he'll step right into the lineup. Obviously, you need him. He probably goes in. McCormick comes out. You know, Faust, uh, He's been he's been good as well. So I'm assuming he'll go back into the lineup. Um, but you know, as far as Jordan Martinuk and Cedric Paquette go. At this point, can you really make a case to keep either of those guys in the lineup ahead of Steven Lorenz or Morgan Geeky? I mean, you know, y- we know how much Rod likes Martinuk, so I, I kind of have a tough time believing he's going to take him out of the lineup. But, I mean, just just based strictly on the play, uh, if it was up to you guys, what would you be doing? I mean, I think I agree, but the two variables you got to take into account are, well, like you said with Martinuk, He's part of your leadership group. And I just think Rob loves what he brings to the team, you know, from an energy standpoint and from a charisma standpoint and from a, you know, those kind of 
unmeasurable things. And for Paquette, he's a Stanley Cup champion. He's a veteran, rugged presence. I, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing Rod even taking him out of the lineup, to be totally honest. Yeah. Yeah, and, and these young guys, we don't know how they're going to play in a playoff run. I mean, we saw with Natchez last year even, and those guys don't play really similar games, but the playoffs are a different animal. And you want guys that have been there before that can kind of take a team's punch and give one back. And I think that's working Pockett's favor for sure. Oh, well, Geeky wasn't too bad in the playoffs last year, was he? He got in a few games. No, he wasn't good. Yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I like, thought he was decent. He was – okay, so Geeky was fine – in the last game of the uh, play-in round against the Rangers. He had yeah, that, that's the game I remember of him. But Geeky was absolutely not good against the Bruins. I mean, the Canes were a whole. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's fair. Well, Hayden Fleury was, but... But, it, I mean, <laughs> look where it got us. <laughs> Anyways, Geeky just got pushed around out there. And, yes, he's stronger now. He's more used to the, the style of the NHL. But I'm more inclined to leave a guy like Steven Lorenz in there who isn't afraid to, you know, play the body and stuff. But, I mean, again, like you guys said, I think once the team gets healthy, it's going to be those guys coming out, unfortunately. I mean, I'd love to see Lorenz in instead of Paquette because, you know, Lorenz is better at hockey. Yeah. In pretty much every way. But, I mean, again, it it just comes down to Rod Burnamore's preference. And, I mean, I don't think there's a wrong decision to be made here. No, I mean... When you're well, talking about fourth liners, right? I mean, but that's the beauty of it, man. I mean, they're showing they have legitimate depth that you can put in and not be hurt, and all these guys can legitimately contribute to your team. So, I mean, I think that's a really good place to be. Right. Oh, like, say course. it takes, you know, McGinn a lot long or a little longer than anticipated. Like, oh no, I guess that means you have to go with Steven Lorenz, who's had a great season <laughs> right. as your fourth line center. And I think yeah. that's part of it right now, actually, is I think most of these guys probably could be playing. And because the Hurricanes have already clinched, Rod has just kind of given them a little bit of extra time to make sure they're really 100%. You know, we said this with Teravainen, too. You know, he's been close for a while now, and who knows, maybe he could have played a couple of games ago. But they've taken the slow play with him to make sure when he's back, he's back for good. All right, and he played yeah. 17 minutes against Dallas in a 5-1 to one win. Like, right, and looked very good. Clearly, yeah, he you know, did. He was Ter- strong. I mean, he made a few mistakes. But, I mean, he hasn't played for the majority of the season, and that's, what, that's what's crazy to me. He's missed, that's what, crazy. nearly, like, 40 games? Right. Yeah, and he's missed He's still missed one of the lot. top teams in the league while missing one of the team's best players. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? One other thing to consider, too, uh, with how well Geeky and Lorenzo fit in here, um, you know, you're going to have Martin Nook, McGinn, and Paquette all facing unrestricted free agency this summer, and, you know, the way those guys have played, um, I think you can definitely make a case that, you know, you can you can bring these guys in to maybe replace um, a couple of those guys should they move on, you know, even at lower price tags. And, you know, um, both of them are younger as well, maybe higher upside. So it's not just the move for this year, but, you know, they're showing great promise moving forward as well. So I, I'm happy with how they've both come along. And Morgan Geeky is a free agent this year. Um... So I think it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, what kind of deal he gets if he gets a one year or a one way deal um, in the off season. Because I mean, he's a restricted free agent; he's not going anywhere. Yeah, but, uh, it'll be I, really I think interesting. He's earned a one way deal. Yeah, it's just it all depends on what the Canes do with like those three guys that you mentioned again, Martin Oak and Pocket. 
I, I do think Geeky has probably earned a one-way deal. And, you know, based off what we've seen, it, you could even play him higher in the lineup. Um, you know, obviously, you'd probably prefer to have a guy like McGinn um, on your fourth line as opposed to in your top six singles for, for guys like Martinook. So, you know, not only would I like to see Geeky part of the equation moving forward, but, you know, if you can find a spot to give this guy a bit more of a role, um, I, I think he's earned it. Um, I think he's got enough skill to support giving him some extra minutes. And, you know, he, he does a pretty good job on the second power play unit as well. So I, I definitely hope Geeky gets a one-way deal, and I hope he's in the mix next year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, one of the best parts of that is he can fill in for Martinook on the, in the bottom six. And then once you guys do go down, it's, it's a whole different story when you have to move him up as opposed to a guy like Martinook. Yeah, oh, I totally agree there. But let's go back to Terravine in just a little bit. I mean, like we said, he had some rust, but for a first game back, that's, I mean, you can't ask for a whole lot more than what he did. He made some really great passes, especially on that power play um, early on. And, you know, that's a dynamic that's going to just completely turn around. That second power play unit is not going to be legitimately dangerous, which is really exciting to think about. The Hurricanes are going to have two units that they can pretty much interchangeably use just about. And uh, Natchez and Teravainen working together on that second power play unit is going to be a lot of fun. And Geeky with the confidence he's playing uh, with right now. Oh yeah, with and with Jake Gardner running the point on that power play. I mean, how many how many teams around the league have that kind of firepower on their oh, second sure. unit? It's just crazy. Absolutely. And I mean, Teravainen, you know, we kind of said today and tomorrow will be like the big, you know, tests. How does he feel right now? Obviously, we're probably not going to get a whole lot of reports about that, but as long as he's in the lineup tomorrow, it's going to be a really good sign. He has no lingering effects. We, you know, we need Terravine. The Hurricanes do. It, it, their ceiling rises exponentially with him at his best and in the lineup. So getting him back and hopefully him feeling good, I mean, that's just a gigantic lift, obviously, for this team as they look to make a Stanley Cup run. Yeah, no doubt. And again, like I, I, I said this... Uh, at least a couple times, like even just an okay Tevo Teravainen makes a difference on this lineup, as we saw last night. Tevo was just okay, and the team was noticeably better when he was on the ice. He makes so many slick little stick plays in the defensive zone. Like He's I counted, I mean, three or four different times in the league. Yeah, like three. But or I'm four sorry, Alexander Barkov is underrated. He's not underrated. Everybody talks about him. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> It's just because he plays for Florida, and you guys are like, oh, nobody pays attention to Florida. How cute. <laughs> Everybody talks about Barkov. Shut up. He had, like, three or four different plays last night where, like, Dallas was on the attack, and it's like he just made one little stick lift or, like, poke check, and all of a sudden the Canes are going the other way. Like, that's such an underrated facet, especially for a team with the forecheck and a possession style like the Hurricanes play. Like, I mean, he just does so much for this team, and it, it changes their dynamic completely. Right. Well, guys, I think we should move on to the main event. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I think that was a good yeah, one. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Let's go. Opening. So I think it's time for us to present our opinions on the top 10 prospects in the Carolina Hurricanes system and roast each other on our decisions. Tough. And to not only do Tough. that, but we know Kane Twitter is also going to roast us for our opinion because. Chances are, if you know me, I've definitely forgotten a prospect. Or, you know what? I'm going to roast somebody for putting somebody second, probably. 
know who that's going to be. I don't know. Spoiler alert, Hayden Fleury is not in my top ten. <laughs> that's, that's actually kind of surprising. I was kind of worried. I, I'd be that. concerned if he was, to be honest <laughs> with you. But, um, so I guess, we should, I guess we should start this off by um, kind of seeing who won't be in the mix. Um, because yeah. I know we're going to get, you know, oh, hey, what about this guy? Like, so Ned, Lorenz, and Geeky, right? Those are the three we decided on. Uh, yeah, well, and Jake Bean. Yeah, oh. Bean. Ned, Lorenz, have... Geeky, and Bean will not I... be included on this list because they're all playing in the NHL right now. No prospects, no prospect status, no list. Yeah, works. so they haven't, they've graduated from prospect status. Um, David Cotton's getting close. I almost wanted to put him up there just because of his age. Because, I mean, he's, what, 24 now? That's pretty old for a prospect. But yeah. I guess even Lorenz over the offseason. That, that's, so that's fair. We'll keep him as a prospect for now. But so um, let's start with Alex here. I mean, there's, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, I, I'm sure we're all unanimous on who's number one on our list, that being uh, Seth Jarvis, of course, who, you know, he showed how fantastic um, of a prospect he was in his early season stint in Chicago. Um, you know, obviously played out of his mind there and, and it showed real optimism. And, you know, it's unfortunate that he's had to return to the WHL where he's obviously, you know, head and shoulders above most of the competition that he's playing against there. But, um, you know, he's, he's gone back there and it started off a little slow for him, but I, I think he's picking it up a little more recently. And he just had know, a hat trick. Yeah, he just scored a hattie over, I think it was over the weekend, right? Yeah, it was the last game, I'm pretty sure. He has 17 points in as many games over there, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah, he's had a slow start. That's that's kind of what I had written down here, too. But, I mean, he's a stellar ho- uh, hockey player. And one thing I do want to note, um, I'm not sure. Sh- yeah, a lot of Hurricanes fans have kind of, and, and I think I've fallen victim to this a little bit at times, too, have kind of thought he was going to be in the NHL next year. I'm not entirely sure that's true. And part of it is because he's not getting that much development time this year. I think the Hurricanes, with how deep they are up front, they might end up sending him back to the WHL next year and giving him like one more legitimate full year of development before uh, he probably breaks through the following year. Yeah, what, what I would assume is they probably give him, you know, the nine-game stint uh, at the beginning yeah. of the season, you know, if they decide to use all nine games. I don't obviously, think they see how he any. fits. But, you know, I think it could be similar to uh, the Marty Natchez situation we saw a couple years ago when, you know, he came in, started with a big club out of camp, and then spent the rest of the year in the AHL. You know, mind you, some people said it was to avoid him being exposed in the expansion draft, but I'm just not sure he was ready physically. And I think Jarvis could fall in that same situation where he's obviously skilled enough to play in the league today, but obviously playing along the boards in the NHL at his size um, and, you know, uh, his inexperience level, it, it, it could be a tough transition. So I, I'm kind of curious to see that. Like, like I said, we'd have to see how he adjusts um, over a few games next year. I'm assuming he'll get them and, you know, they'll probably make a decision from there, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw him back in the WHL next year, which is definitely unfortunate, but. So here's what I have to say. Um... First, I mean, I obviously put Jarvis first. I mean, there's no denying it. He yeah, is the premier prospect no in this it. pipeline. 
I would have put him at first even before he went on that tear with Chicago just because I do think he's at least a yeah, little bit above uh, Suzuki or Reese. You know, those types of prospects. Um, yeah. But here's the thing. For maybe why he had a slow start in the WHL is because almost everybody on his team, if not everybody, hadn't played hockey in almost a year. Yeah. So obviously, you know, one player isn't going to carry a team. And when you're playing against guys, you know, like Everett, for instance, who had, you know, a handful of guys join AHL teams for a little while. And, you know, it's just, it's going to take a while for you to adjust and click as a team. Because, I mean, Portland had, I think all of the WHL teams had maybe like a week or two of a training camp. And that's it this year. Right. So even though Jarvis came in prepared with having played, you know, uh, nine AHL games, I mean he really wasn't all that much prepared. So that's why I'm kind of not putting a whole lot of stock into that. I'm actually happy with his performance in the AHL. I think he has, or the WHL, excuse me. I think he has at least three or four shorthanded goals this year, which means he's getting penalty killing time, Yeah. which means he's being trusted to play defense, which is going to go further in Rod Brindamore trusting him, Ryan Warsawski, whoever his coach is going to be in the next couple of years. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't see the Canes giving him any more than some preseason games. And this is just purely based on the fact that the Canes are a deep team. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. they're gonna want to get going right away. I don't think they're gonna have anybody on a try you know, like you know when I say tryout, I mean like somebody yeah. there to kind of yeah, like right. the nine the yeah, the nine game the nine game right. uh test out. Yeah. If he blows Nobody's off gonna the have doors. that because th- they want the team to be complete on day one because this is a team that's now a contender. That's if a fair was, point. That's that's fair. If this was the Hurricanes when Martin Natchez was breaking into the league, absolutely Jarvis would get a shot. You know, right? Because at the time we were like Natchez is going to save the franchise, and I mean, you know, he's a damn good NHL player now. <laughs> but like at the time, you know, he wasn't he wasn't the best. Yeah. And so, like, I think if you go back, you know two, three years, Jarvis would have gotten a shot, but I, I, I don't see him getting that this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he would probably really have to like blow the doors off in preseason and uh, training camp. And I mean, it's possible. I mean, we saw what he did in the AHL. That's no joke for a guy that just got drafted. Right. And I mean, even with, you know, the AHL being significantly weaker, I'm going to say significantly, because I mean, you're missing at least four top AHL players from each team due to right. the taxi squad. You know what I mean? That's, that's a, a good chunk yeah for sure so even with that you know i mean it's encouraging um you're seeing that jarvis can compete at the pro level um and we're also seeing how much worse chicago is without jarvis without reese suzuki and nashville's tanner Janot in the lineup like Chicago's not a very good team yeah, yeah. um and they've really struggled without reese and suzuki and bach in the lineup which makes me happy I guess, and we can talk about this in a sec, but like, you know, it's good to know that the Canes prospects actually do make a difference because a lot of the time, Nashville's prospects and players um, connecting for goals, and that's because Nashville's prospects are like three or four years older. But, you know. But so since we're at consensus with um, number one, I think it's safe to say we can move on. So, Brandon, who did you have at number two? (laughs) Oh, boy. All right, guys. So, no. Before we get into this, prospect rankings like this, what are the two things you really want to look for? You want to look for skill and ceiling, but you also kind of want to look towards NHL certainty, right? I think it's yeah, a fair assumption. That's fair. 
part of it's, you know, it's not just the ceiling, it's also the floor. So, in my number two spot, I think I kind of went against the grain a little bit and went with a guy that has definitely jumped up my personal, what the hell is the word I'm looking for? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly where you're Forward. going with this. I just figured it out. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going with this. <laughs> well, the guy that has risen up my personal standings within the organization is a guy that has been fantastic in the SHL this year, and that is oh. Jack Drury. Wow. Okay. okay. Wow. That, yep. I was not expecting that. No. <laughs> Monsters. Yeah, wow. We were like, oh, we know. Way where off the going. board. I thought it was Reese, man. I thought it was going to be Reese. <laughs> nah, Reese is Reese is soon. But I, I put Drury <laughs> above Suzuki, and it's mostly based man. on NHL certainty. You know, I just think that the offensive development he's shown this year, you know, he's always had that safe floor as like a maybe third line guy with because of how mature of a game he's always had. That's always really been his calling card. But his shot, his hockey IQ is really, really high. He, he kind of reminds me of Morgan Geeky in a lot of ways. He's just always in the right spot and, and he's winning battles and he's got good hands in tight spaces. I, I like him a lot. Um, and I, you know, even put him a touch ahead of Suzuki, obviously, because of it. And uh, that's cold. Good for you. Good for I, you. I like he's it. got the potential to be a legitimate second line uh, forward. I really like him. Yeah, I, I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. It's bold. It's definitely off the board. Um, yeah, well, it's no fun if we all just that at all. To be honest. Yeah, if we all just blurt out the same guys, it's gonna be boring. Right. And you know what? I really think it. I'm not just doing that to be different. I really think there's a legitimate chance he ends up being a very, very valuable NHLer. You know, as a 20 year old yeah, in the I mean, SHL to have the season he had is not a joke. You know. Right. I mean, yeah. he was nominated for the SHL's Rookie of the Year award. I mean, that's right. no joke. For me, Drury always seems like the Jordan Stahl type of player. Yeah, I agree. Great, yeah. great. Like, I can't stress enough how good he is, both at faceoffs and in his own end. Yep. And I mean, say what you will about faceoffs. I mean, those are valuable. Puck possession is valuable, especially for the Hurricanes. Yeah. Plays their system. Yes. And you know, defensive zone play. I mean, that's always going to be huge. I think Drury, he excels from right around the crease. He's not going to be a top playmaker on any team. He's not going to be, you know, a sniper on any team. But he has a good shot, and he has good enough passing skills where he can really just kind of work in that little wheelhouse there. Hence the Morgan Geeky comparison. Yeah, I want to think that Drury has more skill. Yeah, Um, I, I do too. But they, they're similar in that vein where he's really good in the front of the net, you know, from the goal line down. We, I mean, we've seen that with Geeky the last few games, right? Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of similarities there. I think, I think he's a good prospect. I didn't have uh, Drury at second. I have Suzuki there. And I think really with me, it's just because I think Suzuki has found an element to his game that's been missing. And that's just like an attitude and like a snarl. Yeah. And fair. that's going to help him. Uh, in the NHL because I mean a lot of the complaints about Suzuki in his draft year was that he was too passive for a lot of scouts right and you know we we've seen what a passive attitude can get you in the NHL oh, yeah. and get you a one-way ticket back to Russia Alexander Semen that's exactly <laughs> who came to my mind <laughs> but so you know like with with Suzuki now that he's found that just extra little bite to his game you're noticing he's more aggressive aggressive on the puck he's more willing to get to the middle of the ice which is another thing that scouts were a little wary of and i I know he so here's the thing it's easy to look at suzuki's stats and be like oh man you know he only has 10 points in 20 games 
But keep in mind, this is a guy that wouldn't be in the AHL in a normal year, right? You know, and yeah. if you really want to look at it as a 20-year-old, Morgan Geeky had 46 points in 73 games. So he was well over a point or half a point per game, but that's also a year. He's a year older. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I like Suzuki. I think he fits the system well because the team, even though they have Tevo Teravainen, they don't have a truly legitimate playmaking center anymore because Natchez is good at everything. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Matt. I've got uh, Suzuki as the number two on my list. And, you know, definitely at the World Juniors uh, this past winter is when I really saw, you know, kind of the added edge um, in Suzuki's game. He was playing more in kind of a depth role there. And, Absolutely. You know, he, he was he was going to the corners. Um, you know, he was getting involved physically, which isn't something I really saw from him too much uh, in the OHL. I'd, I'd only seen him on a few occasions. I saw him live a couple times in Ottawa, actually. And, you know, I was always impressed with the skating ability and the vision. But like, like the scouts uh, were concerned with, I was never overly, like, enamored, I guess, with his overall game away from the puck. So, you know, it's definitely an encouraging sign that he's added another element to his game that'll, you know, that'll translate well to the pros if he keeps it up. I mean, he's not a small guy. At 6'1", about 185, he's got pretty good size. And obviously, you know, just, just a fantastic a fantastic playmaker. Um, only 19 years old, you know, so he's got, he's got a lot of room to grow, um, a lot of time to keep developing and getting better and, and you know, honing uh, all the aspects of his game. But I just think, you know, the upside there, especially, you know, in a, in a fast-paced system like the Hurricanes where, you know, so much is, is built around the, the speed and skill of these guys. I, I think he's going to be a seamless fit when uh, he gets to the pro level. I do think he's still got some work to do. He's probably a couple years away, but um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely like the upside of the player. And, you know, it, if Vincent Trocek, um isn't around for the long term, I, I think he's a guy who can step in there and, you know, replace some of that production in the maybe the two or the three center uh, role. So uh, right. I definitely like him, and he's number two on my list. And Suzuki doesn't have a bad shot. Like, I want to say that he now. He just doesn't use it enough. And that's, that's what I, I harped on him for it in his draft year. I really like Suzuki's shot. He, he just prefers to pass, which isn't it's a bad like thing. It's like Tara right? Like Tara Vinen can absolutely rip it. He can rip it when he wants to. He just never wants to shoot it, right? And I think Suzuki's kind of similar to that. Yeah, and I mean, you know what? There's something to be said about having like a pure playmaker on your team. But I mean, you, at the end of the day, you, know, you have to at least be able to put the puck in the net. To stay yeah, in, you know? and he can. Right. Yeah. So since Suzuki is my number three, I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way first. Um, and I mean, I really don't have too much to add beyond what you guys said. I mean, that was the biggest note I actually made here when I was writing out this list was his world juniors was just really, really impressive for all the reasons Alex outlined. Super rugged, like just elements of his game I hadn't seen previously. And I mean, it's tough to really scout too much, like especially this year, just looking at box scores because the AHL is so weird. None of these guys are supposed to be there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But Suzuki has a ton of potential. And the fact that I rated him third instead of second is more of a, is not an indictment on him. It's just more of a vote of confidence in Jack Drury for me. So I just want to get that out of the way. He's still got great skating ability, awesome hands, really good vision. Like he's a really good prospect. Yeah. So I, no, I totally agree. And I mean, like, 
there is a case to be made for a couple prospects in this. I, I would say a handful to be put on the same level as Suzuki, just based on how they've grown. Yeah, and multiple. I, I agree. Stuff like the World Juniors. I mean, it's it's not meant. You're not meant to scout players at the World Juniors. It's more of like a benchmark. I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Like, okay, well, here's where they were. You know, at development camp this summer when I saw them, or whenever you saw them last. And here's how they play up against, you know, the best prospects in the world. And that's kind of what you have to gauge it as. Now, granted, Tuka Tiaxala wasn't at the tournament, so it's really unfair to say that they were the best prospects in the world. Yeah. But they were prospects nonetheless. Okay. Right. <laughs> so third, I have Jamison Reese. Um oh boy. I love Reese as a prospect. I think he's a tremendous fit for this system. Yeah, I mean... You have a player who doesn't quit on a play. He hasn't gotten into any disciplinary issues this year. In fact, like he's been the recipient of more dirty hits, you know? Yep. And that's kind of the way he plays. Like he is a pain in the ass to play against. He'll he'll you know, he'll give you that extra slash, he'll, you know, cross check you a little bit, he'll, you know I don't I don't know what he does, but he gets under the skin of opponents so well. I honestly, and I seriously meant to, meant this when I said he's he's like a Brad Marchand. Yeah, I don't think he's as skilled, but he's absolutely the same type of player where you hate him if he's not on your team. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and we need a guy like that, right? And I mean, you've got Cedric Paquette, who's like that. Yeah, but Reese is actually. But a good why not have a player, player that's more skilled? You know, exactly. Like, right. That's right. what I'm saying. Like Reese has a good shot. He's a good playmaker. He's pretty. I, I'd say his hockey sense is really above average. He he's just good in every single area, every single aspect. But I think the best thing that he does is irritate the opposition and force them to take penalties. Yeah. And then you get the Canes' number one ranked power play on the ice and. Reese may not get credit for a goal, but he helped to set that up. You know, if that makes any sense, like that's valuable. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I agree. And um, uh, at my number three, I actually have uh, defenseman Anthony Honka. Wow. Which yeah, could be a little high. Could be a that's little spicy. high, but uh, man, I just, I, I just love this player, right? And uh, I mean, for me, the only real flaw I have with Honka is the fact that. He's five foot nine, one hundred seventy pounds, and you always have to have concerns about you know how well a guy like that is going to be able to hold up physically and defensively at the NHL level. But you know, as far as a puck moving defenseman goes, he makes all the passes. He's got fantastic vision. He's a good skater for a guy his size. He can run any power play unit. I mean, you just put into perspective, right? In with JYP in Finland this year. Only one, so defenseman, only one defenseman yeah. on that team has more than 10 points. And it's Anthony Honka with 31. The next defenseman on his team has nine points. And obviously, defense for, for defensemen, it's not all about points. But he's producing a lot offensively. And, you know, a lot of the scouting reports I've read, um, especially from Scott Wheeler, who's one of the top uh, prospect scouts for the Athletic, um, he he's just so so impressed with how Honka's defensive game has come along this year. He said he's battling defensively. Um, his angles have definitely have definitely improved to the point where he's separating guys from the puck. Um, he he hasn't been getting overpowered physically the way that it's been seen in the past. 
So, you know, I just, I think as a player, you know, if he gets to the NHL with, you know, a shutdown guy beside him, he's right shot. So maybe, you know, you, you put maybe like a Jacob Slavin or even a Brett Pesci type beside him and, you know, just kind of let him loose and, and do what he does best. I, I just think, you know, he, he's got, he's got a lot of potential at the NHL level. He can be a very dynamic presence on the back end. And, you know, obviously a guy who can run your power play unit and contribute for you in late parts of games when you need a goal and, and, and just, he just does so much well for a defenseman that if he can, if he can manage to handle the NHL game at his small size, I, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. Yeah, I I actually love that pick. I mean, I have him a little bit later, but I, I have no qualms with that whatsoever. Um, I, I want to, like I said, I have him a little bit later, but I do, since we're already talking about him, just want to go ahead and throw in these nuggets that I found earlier. Um, just to really say how good of a season he's had in Liga for a terrible JYP team. I mean, if I'm reading their record correctly, they're 17, 34, and 8. They're yeah, horrible. They're, yeah, they're terrible. Team in the league. And they were the fourth worst team in terms of goals scored. Right. So, I mean, listen to these stats. So he's the fifth leading scorer amongst defensemen in Liga. And of the four guys ahead of him, one of them is a converted forward that's a complete defensive liability. And the other three are all at least 23 years old. He's 20 years old. And he's scoring at a well over half point per game pace for a really bad team. Um, Amongst defensemen 20 years old or younger, uh, only three of them have more than 16 points, and he has basically double that mark. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean he, he's, he's a phenomenal prospect, I'm not going to lie. I mean, now that he's starting to improve and gain his confidence in the defensive zone, I think, you know what, we're going to see a guy that's trusted with top minutes next year. Um, yeah. I, I also have him a little lower. I mean, it, it's hard to rank the system because of oh, how totally. many top prospects we have. So you know? many great players. The only thing that this pipeline is really lacking is an, a truly elite prospect. And I still believe that. I, I don't believe Jarvis is on the truly elite tier that yeah. maybe, uh, well, that definitely, you know, Aho and Svechnikov were at. And then you can yeah. maybe throw in Natchez. He's the closest thing we have to it, though. Yeah. Oh, no, of course. Yeah. But that's fine. But those, yeah, three guys, those three guys are so young and are going to be around for so long. You don't really need another superstar. you got these guys that can come in and play on the second line and provide, like, legitimate a, oh, a yeah. lot of secondary scoring. Yeah. This team's in great shape. And you see yeah. the Canes are still a top-10 system in the league, even without yep. oh, the totally. prospect that teams like, you know, L.A., New York, um, even, like, you know, St. Louis for a little while had a pretty solid pipeline, you know, and, like, Colorado. Colorado. Um, Colorado had Bowen Byram. They had Kale McCarr. And, you know, Canes just have a deep pipeline. And that's yeah. what's going to set them apart. And, you know, that's Still top five, according to the athletic. Comfortable trading all those guys. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, watching guys like, uh, like, I'm, I'm not going to compare Anthony Honka's upside to that of like a Quinn Hughes or someone like that. But, you know, watching these smaller guys be able to transition into the NHL today, um, you know, we're obviously undersized, but. Um, being able to translate their game into the NHL and and keep up with the physicality and, you know, control games with their pace and with their puck movement. Um, You know, I I think that's given me a lot more hope for a guy like Honka, especially recently watching the Sens and, you know, how Eric Brandstrom um, has started to really come along for the team. And, you know, he had a lot of the exact same concerns that a guy like Honka has with his size and, 
you know, uh, his gap control was always was always always questioned by scouts. And you know, Honka has had a lot of the same issues. And the way that Brandstrom has come along has really given me a lot of optimism for you know how Honka can translate into the NHL and affect games um, once he gets there. So I'm definitely excited for him, and I think he's got you know serious untapped upside. It's kind of funny how divided we are already. You know, like yeah. That just kind of goes to show you again just how good this pipeline is and how good this system is. So go I'll, I'll go I'll go first with number four because I think it's kind of interesting. Um, and I want to hear you guys' thoughts. At number four, I have Dominic Bach. A good spot and for him. At the beginning of the season, Bach wouldn't have been there. Yeah. I was worried. I legitimately was worried because Bach wasn't playing he was playing on a good team and just wasn't getting the ice time and had three points in 20 games, and then he leaves. He comes to the AHL, and I mean, I swear to you, he is a different player. He's confident with the puck. He's, in, he's always in the right spot. You know, he has 14 points in 21 games this year. He's gone on a couple goal-scoring streaks. Just a player that's finally coming into his own. And yeah, I mean, I don't have any problems with that pick. <laughs> you know... <laughs> You kind of almost want us to like argue about this and like get on each other and be like, oh, it's a but terrible How can pick. you, right? How, how are we you? supposed to do that? Right. I mean, Bach is like a super talented guy. I mean, he's, well, really, he's got all the raw skill in the world. I mean, he's a lethal shot, really, really good one on one ability, uh, great hands. He's kind of raw. Hands in the system. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of raw in terms of just like playing within a system and playing with teammates and using those teammates. You know, I've, I've seen scouts call him selfish. I don't think that's accurate. And I think it's something that he's really gotten better at is using those teammates. But um, I think he does get tunnel vision at yeah. times, right? Like he's just, he's got that sniper's mentality that when he gets the puck, all he's thinking of is getting that puck into the back of the net. And it, it, it usually involves him doing it on his own. Um, well, sure, I mean, and that's not going to work. I would say NHL. it's tunnel vision. I would just say, you know, like he just holds on to the puck for a little too long because, you know, he's so good with the puck on his stick that he can do any of the three, you know, typical options pass, shoot, or D. Right. Yeah. And sometimes he just kind of it takes him a second to decide. And usually that split second is all you need for a turnover, you know? So right. That's going to come with time, and we've seen over the course of the season his confidence with the puck on his stick and without the puck on his stick grow. That's why I felt comfortable putting him at four, is because I like his odds of becoming an NHL player, and I was worried about him at the beginning of the year. Yeah, okay, so at number four, I have a guy that's already been mentioned, uh, Jamison Reese, who, since they drafted him, basically, I've been kind of holding up hope that he'll evolve into the Hurricanes' own version of a Nazem Kadri type I just love that comparable for him. Um, he's, I'm not sure I'd say he's underrated offensively, but he's got more skill than some people, than people sometimes give him credit for. Um, you know, it, in the OHL, especially, I watched him, and it, he, he's not afraid to attack guys one-on-one with the puck, and he's underratedly quick, um, especially with his short bursts. He, he, he can accelerate away from anybody. I actually think his speed is pretty underrated, and, you know, he's obviously got great two-way pedigree he's he agitates you know he's a pest um he definitely gets under your skin so uh, he's a guy that I have very high hopes for and you know like I said for me my my ceiling for him would be you know obviously Nazem Kadri if he can give the Hurricanes that kind of a presence I just I I almost want to have him higher than number four if he can if he can evolve into that type of a player because you know obviously everybody wants a guy like that on your team but 
uh, I think he's definitely going to be a good NHL hockey player. Yep. Uh, on my unbiased team list, Reese is number four. In my heart, he's number one. <laughs> you guys already know the deal. I mean, everything we've said here, just so much skill, tremendous vision, tremendous hands, finishes every check, plays a very in-your-face style. It's just so much fun to watch and so much fun to play with and so little fun to play against. Right. You know what? The fact that Jamison Reese, like a top 50 pick, not even two years ago, is considered a top five prospect in the system or is like we have to bump him down to four in some <laughs> cases like that's crazy you know yeah but, he's fantastic he's developed really well and he's had some really good moments in chicago this year he has i mean you know all the canes prospects have yeah that's true i mean you always hear about them wanting to get tougher to play against oh yeah, yeah he's the big hockey trope. he makes you tougher he makes you tougher that's for sure okay at number five i've got uh match number four dominic bach who, you know, obviously the hope is he'll evolve into maybe a 20-30 goal guy in the NHL, um, been that right shot sniper that the Hurricanes have coveted. Um, you know, obviously it, it did start off as a struggle for him this year. Uh, he wasn't getting minutes uh, over in Sweden. And, it, like, it's just so confusing to me sometimes with how coaches deploy players. I mean, if you have a guy like Bach who's known as a finisher, and, you know, a skilled guy, why would you play him on your fourth line? He's just not a fourth line talent. He's not a guy that you're going to get anything from um, on the fourth line, especially in, like, in retrospect, what you get from him in your top six. Um, so, you know, he's come over to Chicago. He's been, he's been let loose a little. He's been deployed properly. And, you know, he's producing now. So, um, you, you know, you put, you put scores in scoring roles, and, and they usually score. So. It's oh, not rocket science. That, that works. I, you put him on the fourth concept apparently. Like you put him on the fourth line and wonder why he's not playing well. That makes a lot of sense. GMs, coaches, whatever. Like you would think it's rocket science, but you know he's producing <laughs> now, and and um, you know I'm obviously hoping that he turns into a pretty good player because I mean he gave up Justin Falk for him, who was was a very good defenseman for the team. Like no matter how much people want to hate on him, right? So. Um, he's the he last thing we have to show boy. for the fall trade. So let's uh, let's hope he develops, uh, keeps developing properly, and uh, he looks to be a good one for the future. I mean, we did get a sixth round pick that I'm pretty sure turned into Lucas Mercury. So how dare you forget that? <laughs> yeah, eh, you <laughs> know what? That's Edmondson. fair. And and we got we got one year of watching Joel Edmondson completely lose his identity and forget how to play hockey. Carrier. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so my number five I, I don't think we need to spend any more time talking about him but my number five is jack drury and what i do need to say is this is not an indictment on drury it's just the fact that the canes have so many good prospects in the system that you could easily flip reese Bach, and drury anywhere around and i'd still agree with you you know yeah like i, I would still say like oh yeah jack drury yeah he could be the number three prospect in the system he could be, you know, the number four or five to me. It's like, I don't think he's on the Jarvis or Suzuki level. But he's right up there. Yeah. So All right. that's just my take. Very good. You guys ready for my number five? Sure. Tuka TX little baby. Wow. That's right. Wow. That's right. Like I said, I tried to keep this wow. a little bit. I like uh, it. 
I like it. Yeah, I mean, he's my biggest riser for sure this season, oh, what he's done in Liga. Um, finally getting a legitimate opportunity. He's got a little bit of, you know, I, well, Matt's used the uh, Tavo Terrabine in comp quite a bit, and I, I see Elias Lindholm as well. You know, just those hands, yeah. the ability to work the goal line, um, playmaking ability, flashy skill set, great hands. I mean, he's got the same dynamic element to his game as, like, you know, Dominic Bach, Noel Gundler, those guys, like, he's got so much skill, so much potential, and I think he's tracking towards potentially being another top six guy for the Hurricanes. Well, more like second line, probably, but he's got so much skill, he can be a really, really good find in the fourth round. He makes the game of hockey look easy. For sure. Um, Oh, my God, especially at the U20 level. Yeah, I mean, the Finnish U20 league is not the best. Right. Um, You know, you've got your handful of you know nhl draftable draft eligible prospects there and then you've got guys who are mostly going to be you know finished second or third tier league guys for you know the rest of their careers yeah um <clears throat> but it's it's a league where <laughs> we just kind of saw tiexla take over for sure and this year i guess the biggest thing i was worried about this year was that he wouldn't be able to be that type of player in the liga and we didn't see it consistently but we saw that he was able to take over games and just make opposite, the opposition look silly. And he's still like, super young. He's only going to get better, especially as he bulks up. I mean, I just think the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, that, that's the only reason I don't have him higher on my list is because, you know, he's, he's only 19, so he definitely still has some room to grow. But, I mean, this guy, he's just – right now he's just – he's a featherweight. I, I think he could get yeah. blown off the puck uh, in the NHL if you threw him in there today. I mean, he's – He's For listed sure. at 5'10", 156 pounds, right? So yeah. he's got some growing to do. But, I mean, when you're that elusive, it doesn't matter how small you're, right? If they can't, if they can't touch you, they can't hit you. So uh, I definitely like him too, but I, I just, I'm not sure I could put him that high. Um, <laughs> just, just based on, you know, some of the other guys around him. But he's definitely a talented guy. So, okay, we can move on to um, my number six, who I think you guys have both already mentioned now. Um, I got Jack Jury at number six. Yep. Um, you know, obviously for every reason you guys mentioned, right? Uh, he's got a very, very good floor um, that I think will carry him to the NHL. Not totally sold on what his upside is at the NHL. I think ideally, he's probably a guy you want as your third line center. Um, I, I'm just not sure he's that dynamic offensively that he, he could overtake anybody currently in this system or on the Canes roster for a top six role, or you know, to be a top top two center but you know there, there's a lot to be said about how he plays the game of hockey he's he's, he's a lot like his uncle Chris Drury right uh yeah. who obviously had a great career in the league and and uh you know obviously learning from a guy like that he he's going to know the ins and outs of the games he's going to know how to play he's going to play right he's going to play on time and and he's going to be a guy you can rely on, on on practically every situation um of a game so I, I definitely like him and uh and yeah he's number six for me so Anthony Honka is my number six, just because I, I, I still want to see him grow. I don't want to put all my stock into this one season yet. You know? Yeah. Um, but I'm also willing to admit that Honka, if he was on a better team this year, we'd be talking about him possibly coming to the NHL. Probably. Of how good he would have been on a better team, you know? Yeah. Like the fact that he was able to put up 30 points on that team is absurd given the sheer lack of talent on that roster. And, I mean, 
it sucks saying that, but Patrick Fusola and that line, you know, I've mentioned it before. That was not a line that the coaching staff needed to put out there. I'm so glad that JYP actually has a coach now that will know not to put three rookies on the same line. (laughs) Oh, you hope. I mean, the the bar's on the floor there, man. I don't know. But (laughs) I'm thinking that Anthony Honka could be one of the top prospects in the system. I'm just waiting to see what next season looks like, and I want to see that growth continue. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. So I'm going to be honest. I mentioned to Matt that I was, like, rethinking this pick, and I was going to swap him with Dominic Bach, who I have too low. I'm just going to go ahead and just come right out and say that, especially after this conversation I've had with you guys. You've definitely made me think I have Bach too low. But the guy that I went with is a guy that's very similar to him, and that's Noel Gunler. He hasn't had the best year. Um, he has doubled his goal total in the SHL, and he is still very young, and he's still got tremendous raw tools. And I still think he has – I mean, I, I see him as an NHL player one day under this system. I think Rod's eventually going to get the best out of him, and he's going to unlock a really, really good offensive package. Yeah, I I hesitated to put Gunler this high because I know he was on a bad team this year. Yeah, they were bad. Was but at the same time, you would have kind of hoped to have seen him in a top six role with that team. Right. And instead, he's getting third line minutes. I mean, he's getting, you know, four more minutes than he was with William. But it wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, and that, that worries me a little bit. I just think that, you know what, like, I want to see the Goonler we saw at the World Juniors more consistently. And I have. Absolutely. And I mean, so this, I this, is, this is his draft plus one year, you know. Right. He's got a lot of time. And I, I think it's just going to be a blip on the radar of what's eventually going to be a really good career. Like I said, I was going to swap him and Bach, but Matt talked me out of it. So I left him. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> what does concern uh, me is that Gunler was one of the older players in that draft. That's true. And I always harp on that, too. That's why I like did not want Jack Quinn at all for the Hurricanes. No. But, so maybe I'm being hypocritical, but... And know. I mean, no, I mean, it's... You do hope that an older player would be able to be at least a little more mature. Yeah, take a bigger step uh, in, his, in his draft plus one season. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, for number seven... Um, is a guy we've already talked about a bunch and a guy that I already, you know, I wrote down a couple of notes for him and already gave them out. So that's Anthony Honka. He's my number seven prospect. My number seven is Tuka Tiexala. And I actually, nice. you know, switched him with Noel Gunler uh, not too long before we started because, again, it was just the, the fact that I still don't know where I stand with Gunler. I was... Yeah. I was wary of the pick at the time because I knew the risk associated with him. I know he has high upside. I know that if Goomler hits his ceiling, he's a top-line sniper on an NHL team. Yep. It's just the likelihood of him getting there. The likelihood of him getting there is <laughs> not great. Yeah, Sure, but under Brenda Moore, I think it's a good team to have him under as anybody, but yeah. I think you send him to Ryan Morsofsky first. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, totally. yeah, Assuming yeah, yeah. he's still the... Uh, Wolves coach by the time Goomler gets there. And I'm saying assuming because I'm assuming he gets some, promoted to the yeah, NHL. Some NHL team is going to scoop Very him up soon. sooner than later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's just I I love TXLA as a prospect. I want to see him do what he was able to do in the Liga in spurts this season on a more consistent basis. That's why yeah. I didn't feel comfortable putting him in my top five. Is because like as as high as I am on him, I I know realistically 
that he has to establish consistency at the legal level. Yeah. Because he was, he had that one hot streak where, you know, for the month of March, he was killing it. And I, I don't think he did a single thing from the end of March till his season was over in April. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's, you know, like, again, just consistency. And I just want to see more of that out of him. Yeah, well, it's, it's a 19-year-old player um, playing for the first time consistently in a men's league, right? So there's definitely going to be an adjustment period and some consistency issues. But, you know, the skill we saw uh, him put on display throughout the season when he, you know, when he was getting a shot, um, I think definitely, you know, gave us some reason for optimism going forward. So to finish off uh, with my number seven ranking, I've actually got uh, Vasily Ponomarev playing in the QMJHL, um, drafted back in October. Um, you know, for a lot of the same reasons, I'd have, you know, Drury and Reese um, in, in the same kind of category. You know, Ponomarev, he's taken a big step forward offensively this year. He's averaging well over a point per game. Um, he plays all situations for his team. He's rugged, right? He's a tough guy to play against. And, you know, he's a guy that you never have to worry about when he's on the ice. Uh, he's just responsible and all all facets of the game, um, 200 feet. And, you know, he, he he played pretty well, too, with the World Juniors for Russia. Uh, you saw how important he was to that group. Kind of brought a dynamic that they didn't have a ton of. And I think he's a total character guy. And, you know, probably a guy who, he's another guy that you might want as your 3C, ideally. But I, I think he's got enough playmaking ability that he, he might he might be a second-line center for, for your team or for some team in this league. So. Um, I've got him at seven, and I think I think it'll be it'll be interesting to track his development as he continues to grow because I, I think he does have some serious untapped upside that maybe we haven't seen yet. Yeah, he was one, he was probably my favorite of the picks we made um, in the draft at the time he was picked. I'll just say one more thing about him. I think if he was a bit quicker, he would probably be in my top five. If he was two inches taller, he would have gone in the first round. Yeah, that's fair too. But so my number eight prospect is still, in my opinion, the Carolina Hurricanes' top goaltending prospect in Peter Kachikov. Because I still believe that Kachikov can be a starter at the NHL level, and I believe he can be one of the best goalies in the league. Yeah. He's super athletic. His, he's positionally sound. He's able to, you know, make that explosive push to get to the, the post that, you know, we've talked about it with Itumaki Niami. Kachikov can do the same thing where he can make that push to make, you know, the cross crease save that looks so impressive. For sure. And he, he's just, he's playing in the wrong league. You know, like if there's ever a player that's just in a bad situation, it's Kachikov. Yeah. He was getting starts with St. Petersburg and that didn't last. He got, uh, the other goalies got healthy. He got traded to Vityaz. He played like a handful of games for them as their third goalie and then got traded to Torpedo where he was one of three goalies that they kind of had in a rotation. And he's done well everywhere he's gone, right? He he put up, I mean, it was, he put up solid numbers this year with a team that, you know, I was still, I wasn't convinced that they were going to be any good, but I mean, he had a 9-3-1 in six games. I mean, that's not bad, you know? Yeah, that's not bad at all. Like Ned, you know, in six games with us was having similar stats, and we were like, "Yeah, that's. I mean, that's good. That's what he wants." Right. So I think you know, if he can 
go somewhere next season and have like a legitimate starting role somewhere. I don't even care if it's not in Russia, you know? Yeah. No, I yeah, he'll be 21. I wouldn't hate to see him in Chicago, to be honest with you. I doubt it'll happen. But at already 21, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for me. And I think, you know what, we're, we're going to go the route that like the Islanders and uh, Sorokin Capitals did with their Russian goals. Right, right. Yeah. But, I mean, I wouldn't hate to see him move to, even if it's like a worse team, just to get those starts. Because I really do love Kachikov as a goalie. Yeah. I, we just need to see him play more. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I almost put Kachikov in at the end of my list, but I fell off that just because I don't think we have a goalie that's legitimately in the top 10 of our prospects. But I think it's also totally fair to stick him in here at this juncture. Um, my guy's Bach, like I was saying a couple minutes ago for number eight. Um, I was going to put <laughs> swap him and Gundler and have Gundler here. Obviously, I saw Bach, talked about him a bunch already. Um, but yeah. Bach, really high potential, really love what he's done this year, and I uh, think he has a great chance to be a good NHLer. Yeah, that's fair. At uh, at eight, I've got a guy you guys already mentioned, uh, Tuka Tiaxala, who, you know, obviously he's shown great reason for, for optimism this year. Um, just a, a fantastic skater, like exceptionally high at hockey sense, hockey IQ. Like He's one of the smartest players you'll see. Um, he just he does a lot of the game right, and obviously, you know, pretty electric offensively. Um, I think if he if he had another twenty thirty pounds on him, he's a guy that would probably you know you you'd be talking about him as as a much higher ranked prospect uh, than he is, and you know he had second round potential on him um, in the draft. Like the Hurricanes were pretty fortunate to get him where they did in the fourth, fourth round, and uh, yeah, I, I think I, I kind of see an Elias Lindholm type skill set with him. I, I definitely understand the Teravainen comparison as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be a good one. All right. Well, next up, number nine, we have a guy I, we just talked about again. At this point, we're probably always going to be saying that, except for maybe for my number 10. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Vasily Ponomarev, um, obviously, he's taking his playmaking up a notch this year. He's averaging almost an assist per game. Uh, his points per game rate has jumped from 0.86 to 1.15. And obviously, where he really makes his money is – just his relentless motor. I mean, he's always dogging people on the back check, making defensive plays, uh, really good penalty killer. I mean, he's probably a third liner, but his offensive development's legit. He could be a really, really good one. Honestly, I think that Ponomarev could be better. Yeah, he's me too. Also I'm nine. starting to see a little second line upside. I think, and I think um, Darren York, when he was on the Elite Prospects podcast, mentioned that we're just kind of scratching the surface with him offensively and he hasn't gotten a chance to showcase his offensive skills yet because he's so good in the defensive zone. He gets a, the majority of the defensive starts. He gets, you know, the tough matchups and, you know, we're, we're seeing him excel in those situations, you know? Yeah. But he, at the same time, you know, offensively, he, I wouldn't say he's stagnant, but right. you know, he's definitely not allowed to maybe blossom offensively as much as he could. Um, like you said, Brendan, I, I, Brandon, wow. Let me start that over. <laughs> Damn. I was looking at, uh, elite prospects to get stats and somebody wrote an article whose name was Brendan, which <laughs> popped up. I'm sorry. So like you said, Brandon, his motor is just ridiculous. I mean, he's never going to quit on the play 
And we saw this at the World Juniors, right? Yeah. I mean, shorthanded, def- like, doesn't matter. It, he's going to just absolutely wear you down. Yep. And he's unselfish. He really is a fantastic playmaker. Uh, as we're recording this, uh, they're in game four of a best of five series against the Ramuski Oceanic. And uh, Panamarev has a goal and an assist after one period of play. Um, wow. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, again, it's just a guy that I think has more to his offensive game than we're seeing. It's just yeah, going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, hey, I would the love World to be Juniors, they, they, they put, um, like, they, they used him in, like, a pretty substantial role. Um, they, they really relied on him and deployed him in key situations. And, you know, that's actually pretty impressive considering, you know, he was only 18 um, when the World Juniors took place this year. <laughs> and he's going to be back night. there next year, right? Like, he, he's going to be there next year again. and. He's going to have a huge role on that team, so uh, I'm I'm excited to see how he continues to grow. And like you said, I think I think that he might have some second line upside. I think as a playmaker, he's he he's got better vision than maybe he gets credit for. Yeah, and I I think just Russia's deployment as a whole was just weird that tournament. Panamarev was consistently one of the team's best forwards. But they also didn't put guys in positions to succeed all that often. So the fact that he was able to do what he did was more impressive than anything else. Right. So Alex, what's your number nine? All right. Uh, well, I was kind of debating this one because, you know, kind of as we've gone along here, I've made a change to the bottom of my list. Boo. Just, just because I've got Peter. to do it, right? So for, so for my number 10, I'm going number probably nine. off the board. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying for my number 10, I've decided oh. to go off the board. So now I'm kind of trying to debate between two guys uh, for the number nine spot. It would be between Noel Gundler, who is probably going to get the edge, and Joey Keane, who I, I like as a player, and I think he's got pretty good upside um, as a two-way guy. But I'm going to go with Noel Gundler strictly for the fact of he's got a, an extremely high ceiling should he reach that. Um, you know, obviously this season wasn't quite what we wanted to see um, for his development in, in Sweden, it, it, it didn't, he never really got settled. He like things never really went super well for him, especially in Lulea, where he kind of fell out of favor. And then he went to Brinus, where you know he got more ice time and a little bit of a bigger role, but still kind of not what you want, mind you. He still scored seven goals and twelve points in twenty nine games, and you know as a as a nineteen year old, that's that's not too bad in that league. I mean, obviously, you'd hope for a little more, but, you know, it's not really a high-scoring league to begin with. So I'm not all that concerned um, with the production. Obviously, I'd like to see him take a big step forward next year. But, you know, as we've said and as has been said about him, if he can find some consistency to his game, um, you know, and consistently be involved, uh, he, he's a guy that has, like, just, just astronomically high upside as a goal scorer and an offensive talent. and. I'm just not, I'm not convinced enough about him um, to to rank him higher. I mean, maybe ranked purely on skill and just, you know, sheer upside. I'd probably have him higher on the list, but I just, I, I need to see a lot more from him before I can rank him uh, ahead of any of the other guys that are already listed. So he's number nine for me, but, you know, he's one guy that I would not be surprised if, if he ends up being one of the best of the bunch, if things continue to go his way. So at number 10. Uh, number nine. Or number nine. Did I already? I, I thought I already said my number nine. Who was it? 
Ponomarev. I said I agreed with you. Oh, I didn't. I don't think you actually said that you agreed with me, but okay, oh. cool. Okay. Well, my number nine was Ponomarev, too. I need to put that in there. All right. Uh, yeah. So at number 10, this is where I have Noel Gunnar. Um, and again, like we were saying, it's just because we need to see more out of him. I don't hate the player. We got nothing against him. I just need to see more. And that's kind of what it comes down to is like, I know I, I can realize that the player has a ton of skill, but I, I think it's also fair to say that I just haven't seen it on full display yet. At my number 10, uh, I guess I, you could say I went a little bit off the board as well. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to go with the defenseman here. Uh, I thought about Joey Keane a little bit. Um, but the guy I went with is a guy that I think probably could be playing in the NHL right now. Um, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about NHL certainty versus upside, right? And Jesper Severin was my number 10 pick. Um, he's just a guy that he's just so solid all the way around, really. Uh, he skates well. He's very mobile. Um, he really good first pass out of his own end. You know, he, he's just kind of a sleeper that doesn't really get the attention he probably deserves playing top pairing minutes for Forlunda. Well, he's been a number one defenseman um, in Sweden for the past like couple years, hasn't he? Like he, he's I, like the one B. Yeah, one B. Right. He uh, kind of reminds me of like Onkus. That's the guy's name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he kind of reminds me of Jake Gardner a little bit, minus the risky plays and the defensive lapses. You, I don't know what you guys think about that as a comparison, but I, I think they kind of play similar. <laughs> Not as much offensive upside, but like kind of a similar style. He's definitely willing to join the rush. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I actually, I don't hate that comparison. I, I definitely don't think he's got the puck moving ability that maybe right. Gardner has, but the, the rest of the, for the rest of his, I think he might be a little more solid than Gardner defensively too, but. Uh, right. Well, that's what I was saying. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fair comparable. Yeah. Maybe a Brady Shea, but without like the physicality. Yeah. 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 That's a good one too. Because, you know, Shea always jumps in on the rush. Like, he has, you know. He might not score, and judging by this season, you know, he probably won't. But he isn't afraid to get involved offensively, and I think that's kind of what, like, he's like a good mix of the two, I guess you could say. Like, Selgren, too, he's really small, right? He's, like, he's listed at 5'10", 170, but the thing that works to his advantage is that he plays bigger than that. He's very good with leveraging, right? Like, he separates people from the puck very well for a guy his size. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I like Gardner as a comparable. I just, yeah, I, I like him as probably a third-pairing guy in the NHL. He's a guy who can do a lot for your team. Right, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Alex, I think you're right. He is about 5'10", roughly, you know, 170, 180 pounds, and he is vampire white. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude looks like he just saw the sun for the first time <laughs> all the time. So I'll finish off with my number 10. And you know what, this one, this could very well come back and bite me because, you know, it's a bit uncertain here. So my only goaltender on the list, and is he really worthy of being in the top 10? I'm not sure. feel wrong not to at least include one goalie, even if it's a bit of a reach. I've got Itu Makiniemi at number 10. And obviously, this is a delicate situation because he's going to be a free agent on June 1st if the Hurricanes don't sign him by then. So, you know, it's it's we're kind of treading a little lightly here. Like it, we're not really sure if the team is going to sign him, but based off what we saw this year, it should be an absolute no brainer. I mean, this guy, especially down the stretch, like he, 
early in the season, he was struggling. Mind you, his team wasn't very good, but he had some inconsistent performances. But, you know, right around the time that the Hurricanes signed Beck Warm, um, that's kind of like early, very early March, late February, right around then, Makinyemi just caught fire yeah. um, in, in the Finnish league. And he had a nine, like a 940 save percentage in the month of March, you know, led his team to the playoffs. And then when he got to the playoffs, I mean, my God, he was just absolutely incredible. Um, he was the only reason they had even a chance in any of the games they played. And you know how good he is. When he posted a nine one five save percentage and allowed three goals a game in five games. Oh man, like he just stood he on his dealt. head. You really have to go to um I guess Ilvis's page on Twitter because they posted a lot of his highlights, some of his absolute highlight real saves to, to really appreciate just how good he was. You know, what a lot of people forget um with Maki Niemi and you know uh, like you had Kochikov ahead of him, which is is fair. Um based off, I guess, what we've seen to this point and, you know, the hype around him and the overall stock put into the two players. But when Makinyemi was drafted by the Hurricanes uh, in the fourth round of 2017, Peter Kochikov was also eligible from that in that draft, and he wasn't selected. So four years ago, at the same age group, Makinyemi was considered to be ahead of Kochikov. Mind you, you know, with Kochikov playing in the lower Russian leagues, it's, it's, it's not really an easy situation to get, like, a ton of viewings on the players. So he probably went under the radar. But, you know, Makinyemi at one point was definitely, he, he was rated higher than Kochikov. And I, I think his upside is still, you know, very high. And I think, should he develop the right way, I, I think he's got, you know, a chance to be a really good goaltender in the NHL. I see some similarities to Peter Morozik in his game. Um, he attacks the puck. He's aggressive. He's got great reflexes. But I don't, I don't know if he's quite as, like, he doesn't really wander um, as much as, as Morozik, he's kind of more, a little more calm, a little more collected in net. But I mean, he's a fantastic goal, goaltender athletically. And, you know, he's only 21 years old. Uh, I think he might have just turned 22. Uh, I'm pretty sure on the day they got eliminated from the playoffs, actually, he turned 22. So, you know, happy birthday. But um, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I, I think he could definitely be an NHL level goaltender, man. I really do. I, I, I think it would be a massive mistake if the Hurricanes don't sign him. I just love his upside. For what it's worth, uh, the, with the point against Kachikov uh, in that draft year, I think it's worth mentioning that the Canes had zero scouts in Russia at the time. Yeah. It's not only the Canes, right? Like the, the it's entire league. quite a bit of NHL teams. Yeah. Um, no, that's I, I don't know why, but it's like teams that I know for a fact draft Russians are Washington, Tampa, and that's really it. That come, that's really all that come to mind consistently, at least you know. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Vegas now, Vegas drafts from Russia too. But like again, you know, Russia's just one of those uh, countries where the players from that league go under the radar, and that's why you see a lot of guys from Russia, you know, sign at twenty three, twenty four, and and go on to have you know decent NHL careers. But so obviously, you know, ten prospects in the system. It's not enough to encapsulate, you know, the full system. So who are three, give us like two or three, maybe even four prospects that kind of barely missed you guys' cut, and then I'll finish with mine. Well, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty surprised that nobody, nobody had Joey Keane in their top ten. Yeah, he was one of my very next ones. Yeah. I have a reason for it, and I'll talk about it in a sec. Yeah, I, my three 
They just missed my cut were uh, Joey Keane, David Cotton, and Alexander Boom Nikishin. Ooh, that's a good one too. Yeah, I, I'd put I'd put Alexander Passion um, in that list too, mostly just because you know I'm intrigued by guys with that kind of a skill set. Um, yeah, he'd be in my next next three. <laughs> you know, he he's basically he's basically the modern day uh, reincarnation of Sergey Tolchinsky. We shout out to him. He just he just won the KHL championship today with uh avant-garde yeah led the entire khl in playoff scoring so you know maybe don waddell should work the phone lines and you know maybe bring him back into the system right <laughs> nutty my three were gonna be selgren in, in no particular order selgren uh la fontaine and then i had um david cotton but i also could have thrown in alexander nikishin um because i i think that nikishin yeah, he's a good one. Is a good one. He just needs to stay healthy. Yeah, I think he's an so, NHLer eventually for sure. The reason why I didn't pick Joey Keane is because I have not been impressed with him this entire season. Yeah, he really hasn't had a great year, honestly. He's he's been fine offensively, but he takes so many yeah, his, just his, boneheaded his penalties. Has been, yeah, his discipline has just not been there. It's so, the other day he's Sveshnikov a defenseman without the elite <laughs> talent. <laughs> and I mean, again, like, you know what? He could become an NHL player and <clears> if he does, I'll be happy, you know? I, I'm just at this point it's the penalties will kill you in the NHL. And especially if you're a defenseman, I mean if you're spending half your time in the box. Yeah, yeah he, so, he does kind of lack the dynamic element about him too. I mean he Plenty of NHL defensemen make it to the NHL by being just just solid. Fine. Yeah, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, you know, yeah, Nate Fleury. Hey, uh, hey, whoa, 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 now. Johnny Hockenpah. There, better. Okay, that's no, that's that's not better. Don't you mention Hayden Fleury in there? God, what, what do you think this is? <laughs> I'm saying like plenty of defensemen make it without having that dynamic element to it. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, like fair. plenty of defensemen can just be kind of you know good, and yeah. when I say good, good is almost like average for the NHL because I mean, like if you're an NHL player, you you know, kind of hope is that you're good, you know? Yeah, like I'm just not sure I see more than third pairing upside for Keen right now. Sure, I mean, I, I same thing, and that's that's the reason why I didn't include you know Alexander Nikishin in this list. I yeah. think he has more offensive talent than he lets on, but I just you know I want more viewings of him because i really think that alexander boom nikishin might be kind of fun but yeah i definitely think that that's i mean again it's just so hard to rank 10 prospects in the system you know yeah no, there's there's no right and wrong answer because i mean you know we all know jarvis is first after that though i think we disagreed on almost all of our picks yeah, I think Brandon and I agreed on nine, with, which was Panamarov. <laughs> but again, you know, like, there's just so many good prospects in the system. And it makes me happy. It makes my job easy because I don't have to be like, you know, hey, this, like, seventh round pick might turn into something. Well, yeah, the I mean, the fact that nobody even mentioned a guy like Dom Fensore, who, you know, he could be one of the most dynamic guys um, in other teams' systems. The fact we didn't even bring him up. Right. It just shows Pistola, you. It's just you know? a testament to how deep this group is. Yeah, I thought about. We didn't Pistola mention Patrick Pistola. We didn't mention. Yeah, Pistola. Mateos, you know. Yeah, man, I'm surprised that Pistola wasn't even in anybody's honorable mentions. I mean, he's a guy that 
you know, before this year. year, most of us had him in the top 10. Some people yeah. even in yeah. the Hurricanes is top five. I mean, right. it's just, it, it hasn't gone well for him at all. And, it, you Other know, the players have just done better. Yeah, they've done better. But folks, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. We've spent enough time talking about the pipeline for this week, at least. You know, I mean, you got to save some content for me on Twitter now. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but we want to thank you again so much for tuning in every week. If this is your first time, hello. Welcome. <laughs> we are Matthew Soma, Alex O'Hari, and Brandon Stanley. And we're signing off. And folks, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. 